is Digital Marketer. Today, it's Nihal Kazim from adpros.com. Hey there, DM family. This is your host, Jenna, and I wanted to let you know that the podcast team is taking the week off. So instead of a new interview, we've got a rerun of one of our most valuable episodes that we want to share with you. We'll be back next week, so see you then. Nehal, hi. Welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. Thanks for having me. So Nehal, you started Amplify, uh, your your ad agency, seven years ago. It's super successful. Y'all are managing over $800,000 a month uh, of ad spend. So before we get into scaling ads, do you have any hot tips for scaling your agency? The biggest thing that has helped us has been choosing clients and attracting clients who have similar values to us and who have uh, similar goals to us because there are churn and burn clients and agency mindset on both sides. And then there's also a long-term partnership mentality from clients as well. And so we're always optimizing for, we don't want to be working with fly-by-night organizations, but also what are the organizations that are building a brand? What are the organizations that have a high average order value? Um, And they're not just working on traffic, but they're working on conversion. Um, And so those are some of the bigger important elements of scaling our agency because when we find those types of clients, we've just done a lot better. And uh, instead of trying to struggle and figure out and put so much pressure on the traffic side, the conversion arm does so much of the work too, where everyone's job becomes easier and we're able to focus on scale and profitability uh, for everyone. Man, there's so much in that that I want to unpack. (laughs) Um, No, but, you know, talking about people who are actually trying to build a brand, they're trying to do something real. They're not just uh, out to make money and, you know, duck out. Um, How do you vet for that? So we look at the difference between what the return on ad spend on Facebook is versus the return on ad spend is on the overall business. And so for us, if it's just one traffic source that we're working with, that's not a complete, you know, deal breaker. But what we're looking at is if you're doing just day trading mentality of Facebook ads, it just makes very things very, very difficult and very high pressure. If you're going to have a bad day or you're going to have a couple bad days and if your whole world comes crashing down, you know, it just becomes so emotional. And we do our best not to be super emotional because Facebook can be. And so, or, you know, general media buying can be. And so when it comes to looking at where revenue is coming from, if they're not doing affiliates or, you know, from our standpoint, we're primarily working with e-commerce and high growth, like growth stage companies. When we're looking at those, we're looking at at least 100% difference in return on ad spend in addition to Facebook return on ad spend. So say you're getting 250% return on ad spend on Facebook, we're looking for the store-wide or business-wide return on ad spend to be greater than that. That means to us that there's organic coming in or there's referrals coming in or you have other forms of traffic or something going on that's in addition to transactionally what happens on Facebook. Otherwise, we've seen campaigns that are the difference between Facebook metrics and ROAS versus uh, what's going on in real life and the whole business is off by 10, 20, 30%. And it's just so tight. That means it's like do or die uh, and living on the, you know, on, on every word and every day of Facebook. And so if you have a bad day or a bad week, it really strangles cash flow and the business. 
from an agency standpoint, if you're a media buyer, if you're a marketing person who's, who's going into a business, that's an important question to ask. Uh, and most people don't track that and that's okay. You can get that information, but, uh, you know, the discrepancy between Facebook and real life, it's an important one. Uh, and it should help make the decision of like who you want to work with. And then also from an agency to, a, uh, or a business owner to an agency, it's like, here's the diversity in our traffic and here's how confident we feel in the growth of our business. It, it takes, like you said, learning and making those mistakes to kind of figure out yeah. who the right people to work with are. So I'm sure you've been burnt before. I'm, I'm guessing that's what that means. <laughs> I think it all comes down to like perspective. It's very transactional in the agency space. Uh, some of my mentors have called it, you know, what have you done for me lately? Uh, it doesn't matter how good your campaign were in the past, but it comes down to how good your campaigns are. And no matter if you're in an agency space, but, you know, as a marketer, the main thing is uh, you can have phenomenal campaigns a month ago or three months ago, but... Facebook ads and media buying is about what is going on today in the account and how do you react to the you know, constant changing environment so you're ready to react but also be proactive so you're ready of what's going to happen in a week or a month uh, or a quarter from now. And so, you know, in the agency space or, you know, being a media buyer is very easy to talk down about the campaigns you work on in businesses. And we do our best to have a positive attitude and bring like positivity to the campaigns because, you know, things are always changing. And if you're not careful, it can uh, kind of crush your mindset and, and approach to the campaigns. I'm watching a lot of Top Chef right now. <laughs> so they they judge on the the plate, you know, that came out, like not what you've done before. It's like each new plate. So I'm like, it's just like Top Chef. <laughs> How Facebook ads is just like Top yeah. Chef. <laughs> That's the title for this episode. Um, so we're about to get into your system for how you kind of monitor, tweak ad campaigns, optimize them, scale them. Um, but first, I kind of want to go into why someone would want to make a change to their campaign. Just kind of getting into who are we talking to when we're when we're talking about this? Like, what are they currently experiencing? Um, so that they know they need to make a change. Uh, I know it's very easy for media buyers to look at their how good of a marketer they are based off of how good their campaigns are and how good of a career they're going to have based off of how good their campaigns are. And like we all, most people like take it very personally. And so when things are working, you feel like you're on a high. And when things aren't, uh, you feel like a failure. And so I you know, believe that there's serious campaign envy. And so especially if you look at Facebook groups, or if you look at podcasts, or you look at case studies, it's like, well, that person spent $100,000 and got an 8x return on their ad spend the same month. Why can't I do that? Mm. You know, and that is very toxic because it depends on the business model. It depends on uh, your risk tolerance. It depends on like how you want to grow. It depends on so many different things. And so in your business right now, if you're listening to this, it depends on what your focus is. Because if you're building this business to grow so that you're building it to sell, how you optimize your metrics and what is important to you is very different to someone who wants a stable growth in their business for the purposes of actually taking money out and living off of that business. Because the person who's building something to sell, they want aggressive growth. They want hockey stick growth. They want to show numbers increasing 10, 20, 50, 100% month on month, depending on where they are in the business. And so that when the investor comes in or when a buyer looks at it six months from now, they're like, wow, that is impressive. And they don't care about bottom line and margin in the business as much. 
because what they're looking at is top line growth. They're looking at new customers. They're looking at new leads. And then eventually they're looking at repeat customer rates. And that's what's important to them versus a lot of people, for example, in the coaching space where we did a lot of work, the goal for them is margin. The goal is if you're getting less than 4x return on ad spend, you're kind of failing, right? In other spaces, 4x return is incredible. In the coaching space, if you're getting less than 4, it's kind of not good. We had clients who were spending only 10K, 12K per month, but we're getting 8x, 10x, 12x return but they're looking to actually live off of that business. They have a margin of $20,000, $50,000 in a month, and they're using that to stack that money, but then also use that to invest in a sales director or in a new consultant to help them in one part of the business or bring on their first personal assistant or whatever the case is. Right. And so the mindset is so significantly different. And so the question is, what kind of stage are you in and what type of growth do you want? Because if you want you know, stable, consistent growth, you don't need to spend 100000 a month or 500000 a month or even 10000 a month. You might be completely fine spending $1,000 a month and that's okay. But with Campaign Envy and looking at other people's campaign and how much people are spending, I've just seen that as a big trap of feeling bad about yourself as a media buyer and as, as an entrepreneur. Man, and what's really interesting Listening to this answer, I'm seeing a very complicated flow chart, basically. Like, that's the answer to this question. It's just a big web of, is this you? Is this where you want to be? Where are you right now? And, you know, a part of a part of me as, as someone who is, you know, I'm the content manager here and I, I program TNC and I, pro, I program our other events and the content that we produce for to sell our product. I, a part of me does feel somewhat responsible sometimes for putting things with those titles like that. Yeah. You know, the 8X return, uh, (laughs) you know, on, on stage because, you know, they are, they are case studies and you, you have to be Mm -hmm. very careful about here's the actual tactical part piece of it that you can take and implement. And, you know, it got us this return and it might get you a good return as well, but that also depends on what you put into it. Yeah, it, it makes me feel, you know, it makes me feel called to be, you know, a, a very intentional and very cognizant of of what we're doing. Yeah, and I think two questions to help start that process, because I think there's many different questions, but two questions are, one, do you want to grow fast or do you want to grow slowly? And, you know, when you ask an entrepreneur or media buyer, marketing person that question, um, everyone wants to say fast because everyone is told they need to say fast. Mm. But the reality is every business cannot grow fast. For a lot of businesses, if they grow too fast, it actually like destroys the business and it creates so many problems that it doesn't help the growth of the business or the sanity of the entrepreneur or the sanity of the business. And so sometimes the answer is I do want to grow slowly and just giving yourself like that boundary of saying, I do want to grow slowly. I don't want to grow and double my ad spend every month. It's not worth it. Or I just can't operate like from an infrastructure standpoint, I just can't do it. And so sometimes the answer is I do want to grow slowly. So the question is first, do I want to grow fast or slow? And just be honest with that question and what would define whatever that means. And then second question is, do I want to optimize for the top line growth of my business or do I want to optimize for the bottom line growth? Meaning do I want a bunch more revenue and I don't really care what happens with the, you know, how profitable I am? Some people have that luxury because they're funded or they have a lot of cash in the bank or whatever the case is. 
Or other people are in the complete opposite of like, nope, I need to pay. I have $20,000 a month in payroll. On top of that, I need to save X, Y, and Z. And here's like the four buckets from profit first and all these other things that I need to do. And so I am optimizing for the bottom line of my business. And so the, you know, from just those two questions, that should help dictate of what a fast growth, you know, ads or, you know, just overall ads uh, strategy comes down to without looking at Facebook ads. And that should help just kind of create a more relaxed environment internally in the company. Otherwise, you're just comparing yourself to other people and feeling crappy about yourself of how not how much money you're not spending and how lower how much lower your ROAS is. So let's talk about, you know, what what you do when you're looking at a campaign. So what are some of the first things when you're looking at making changes to a campaign that you'll you'll look at? Where do you start? There are seven steps that we look at when we look at optimizing a campaign. Four that are outside of Facebook, two that are actually on Facebook, and then a way that you're making, uh, you know, tracking and doing decision making. Um, we'll make it available at pros.com forward slash scorecard. Uh, we'll make sure there's the link um, just so you guys have like a written version if you're like driving or, you know, out uh, in commute when you're going through this. So, the reason this came about, I call it the ad scorecard, and we use this internally to analyze any campaign and any client we bring on. And the reason this came up was because we kept looking at accounts and we're like, okay, how do we break things down so that we can figure out what to focus on and what to ignore? Because if you focus on everything, that means you're not really focusing on anything, right? right. So from our standpoint, is like we have to figure out what to ignore so that we can actually focus on one to three things because that usually makes the biggest impact so that you can focus on the next thing. And so the first thing that we look at is the offer. The second is the avatar. And so who is it that you're actually marketing to? Third is the funnel. So how do you get a click to become someone who gives you money? Uh, fourth is nurturing. So how do you take care of the person who doesn't buy, essentially? And so all of those are outside of Facebook. So most people don't talk about that, right? It's like, if an ad campaign is working or not, it's just what does my ad look like and what is my ad optimization? And that's it. And so on purpose, we put those first. And then number five is the ad. Number six is the optimization on the ad account. And then the last step is tracking and decision making. So just from top down is offer, avatar, funnel, nurturing, the ad, the ad optimization, and tracking. But the important thing here is if you're already spending money, the first place that we start is tracking and decision making. Because what we've seen is that most people don't track most of the numbers and that's okay, but they're like that should be fixed. And then how most decisions are made uh, are pretty emotional. So it's not based off of benchmarks or best practices or like targets. It's more just like, well, today we had a good day, so I'm going to scale this or like a bunch of stuff didn't work today, so we're going to turn everything off. Let's move this around. So it's more emotional. It depends on like what the weather is and like what time you woke up and <laughs> if you ate yet versus like here is objectively what are the moving parts and then how do we make decisions, especially when you have a team or especially when there's more than one person involved because uh, it just can't be on gut. So let's look at the offer. What are some mistakes that people are making with their offer? Different business models have different ways that they look at an, off at an offer. So if you look at a gym, a local gym, say, for example, in Austin, and so the offer that they're going to make to you on the back end, meaning you go through this whole process and eventually you're ready to buy, 
is different than the offer that will appear on a Facebook ad. So essentially there is an offer at the Facebook ad level. There's an offer potentially throughout the process before they actually give you money. And sometimes there's an actual like, core offer that your whole business is built around. So in the, in the local space, local brick and mortar space, there's usually a front end offer and a back end offer. And so you'll see this with like dentists, right? So dentists, the, uh, the front end offer might be teeth whitening for $99. And so they just get you in into the seat. They want the butt in seat. That's the cost to get the butt in the seat. And then from there, they actually start, you know, doing consultative selling and saying, okay, so you are a mom, you have two kids and a husband. And so when's the last time that they've got their teeth cleaned? And uh, when's the last time, are they interested in teeth whitening, et cetera. And so you go through that process and that becomes that $199 conversion actually becomes this whole thing, right? And so same thing in the gym space, the front end offer is like, you know, there's free, we used to do a lot of work in the gym space and we did free day passes. We did drop in classes for specific type of classes that aren't available at other gyms. We did giveaways. And so giving away three months of a membership as well as personal training sessions and massages as a giveaway, but everyone got a, a five day pass and then was sold a $1,000 package on the back end where the perceived value was they were saving hundreds of dollars if they made a decision that day. And so just as those examples, if you look at the front end offer for a gym, the front end offer could be the day pass, could be a drop in, could be an open house, could be a giveaway, could be a five day pass for $5 or whatever the case is. And when you're doing all of those, the core offer and the back end offer is the same thing of the monthly uh, membership or an annual membership. And that might be the two core backend offers. So the mistake people make here is that they confuse their backend offer with the juiciness and the sexiness and the sizzle that's required at the front end offer mm. to actually get them in. So let me ask you this. Assuming there's someone who's uh, a media buyer, maybe working with multiple clients, when you're working with them on creating these new entry point front end offers, how does that work when they are kind of attached to to the way they do things or maybe they're like, oh, it's not in, you know, we can't do that. That's, you know, they're, we're giving something away for free. So how do you right. kind of work with them on on creating those offers? I think first part of that is like finding. Hey, DM listeners, did you know that you can generate leads from Instagram without using any landing pages or websites? If you're not sure what I'm talking about, Instagram actually allows businesses and influencers to set up automations to automatically capture leads through the Instagram inbox. So this means that you can generate leads for your business all using 100% automated Instagram messages. And the good news is our friends at Bot Builders can show you exactly how to do it. They're an industry leader and these guys have landed some of the biggest clients in the world. So if you want to learn how to use Instagram automation to generate leads, go check out their free training at botwebinar.com. They'll show you exactly how it works. You'll see a live demo and also how you can start using their pre-built templates to start going after big clients yourself. Once again, that's botwebinar.com. Proof of other people who are doing it. There's people who innovate and then there's people who kind of adapt or adopt campaigns from other innovators. And then there's people who are like, are later on, right? And so the innovators never really have that problem because they're the one who are seeing everything and they're like, I'm gonna make sure my next campaign is nowhere close to what any of these guys are doing. And so 
that's like that type of person's like mentality. The next person is kind of what you're talking about, where they'll adopt if someone else has shown some sort of proof. And so we've seen that if they're kind of stubborn about it or if they're not open to it, then we look for proof or create proof or show proof from our own past experience just to see if we can try it. And all, you know, what we want to do is if we can try it on a smaller scale, that is ideal. Or if there's a way to do it without any paid advertising and do it internally, that might be an option. But what we're really trying to do is just figure out ways to test if possible. It all comes down to what's working. So we have a lot of best practices. We've been doing Facebook ads for a long time. Like we spend a bunch of money, but at the end of, end of the day, things still change. And so we get humbled frequently. And so we're not arrogant about what we know and we're not arrogant about what we think is working. At the end of the day, things change so much and uh, we have to adapt with it. And so successful clients we have and the businesses that we see that do so well are businesses that are constantly looking to get an edge. And some of those businesses are very aggressive about getting that edge and others just want it at their own pace. And so and while others don't want to kind of change anything and they just want prefer status quo. And so it just depends on what type of person that is. And it depends on what type of media buyer and marketer you are, because, you know, there can be clashes uh, between the person who's the business owner versus you as the marketer. I, I love the concept here of testing all the different ad types. So we, mm-hmm. we get this question so often is like, um, have y'all ever done a video ad? Does it work? And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. take us through, you know, some of these things that are working right now, some of these things that maybe work and then don't work and then work again. And when I'm looking at all these different ad types, what I'm really thinking about is how they tell you when you work out that if you do the same workout every day and you eat the same food every day, your body becomes adapted to it and you can't make any change. (laughs) And so part of me thinks, you know, obviously you're trying to do a, you're trying to interrupt a pattern, it's pattern interrupter. So how do you test all these different ad types knowing you need something, some new blood in there but also wanting to make sure things work and feel like your brand and feel feel familiar still. I think all of that comes down to if things are working, how do you make sure things keep working? And then if things are not working and the severity of them not working, how big of a change do you have to make? Because when things aren't working, like now is the time to make a change because it doesn't matter if they used to work, they don't work now. And that's just like the bottom line. And so it's really hard sometimes to figure out what is it that what is the real reason things aren't working. But this ad scorecard does help eliminate and figure out like what might be the core issues. When it comes to the ad, one of the things I've seen is that because the same copywriter or the same marketer or the same business owner has been writing the ads for years and it was working or continues to work, they're not trying to beat their control. Like they're not trying to beat the winning ad. And so if you're in that situation, if you are the business owner or you are the marketer and you're looking at your campaign, do you know what the best performing ad is? Like, do you know if it's a video or an image or what type of copy structure it is or which emotion it pulls on or which way it starts or whatever the case is? And then have you tried aggressively to beat your own work? Because that's something we're constantly on the pursuit of. It's really hard. It's really annoying because it's like you created that. 
and the mindset that you created that in, you have to come at it with a different approach in order to break the mold and find the next winner, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the trap that we've seen from an ad standpoint is people create the same type of image with the same type of copy with the same length relatively. And then when things break or when they don't work, it's just a matter of like, cool, let me create another version of the same approach that I've been taking. And so we do our best to try to shake that up from different emotions that we can pull on. Um, if you just want a quick overview, it's like you can search emotion wheel. And that's been super helpful for us because we can pull out different emotions and use mm-hmm. those for copy. Other things that have helped is, is this a pleasure-based ad or a pain-based ad? That kind of stuff has mm-hmm. helped. And, and then a big part of Facebook in terms of uh, what reps have been telling us and one of the things that it's actually has worked is if we're able to put different types of ads in the same ad set. So what this means is that most people think there's you know, a core number of uh, ad types. There's many, many ad types. And uh, one of the things that we're doing is we're putting four to five different types of ads in the same ad set. So what that means is we'll create an image ad, just image, no headline. We'll create a link ad, which has an image, but also has a headline. We'll create a video ad and a carousel ad. And if you have the ability or if your business allows, you can do a catalog in terms of DPA ad. And so you get three, four, five different ads in an ad set and Facebook does the optimization for you. Uh, In the past, you wouldn't want to let Facebook do that But with the direction of Facebook and where things are going, we're giving a lot more power to Facebook because they're optimizing better than most media buyers can at this point. And their machine learning is just getting that much better. And so just from an ad standpoint, if you're doing the same things that you used to do six months, one year, two years ago, now's the time to change it. And if you are trying to beat your control, make that a focus so you can figure out how to break the mold and get to the next step. Yeah, I love that. And we've heard that a lot. I do want to get into, before we go on to scaling, one last thing. I want to talk about this financial model stuff. So could you kind of just walk me through what the idea of it is? Basically, most people know what their like dream campaign is, kind of, sort of, at a high level. But they don't know each of the steps. So I'll, I'll give you an example from a coaching business standpoint. So Let's look at each step of the business. So if you look at that campaign, the first step is someone has to click an ad. They click an ad and go to a landing page, right? That's like step one. Mm. From there, they have to opt in and watch a webinar. That's step two. From there, they have to apply after watching the webinar. So that's step three. Then they have to actually show up to the call. That's step four. And then they have to buy. And so that's step five. So at a high level, like those are the five steps. And so... When things aren't working, if you don't know any of those numbers, you don't know what the problem is. And so you might look at overall, our cost to get a customer went up by double or our cost per lead went up by double. And so is that the actual real problem? And the financial model is basically a way to look at what is an actual break-even campaign for me and then what are the levels of a successful campaign? And The reason this is important, and it might look like a lot of numbers, but the reason this is important is because you just need to know what the numbers need to look like in order for you to win. And I think a lot of people shy away from the numbers because Mm -hmm. uh, they don't want to see the truth. 
Uh, and sometimes when the campaign isn't working, it hurts to look at it because you're, you, you think you're not doing well or if you're you know, working for a company, you might get fired or whatever the case is. It's like there's a lot of like fear around that. And so when we look at that, what we're looking for is how can we create more confidence for us? How can we feel good about the advertising that we're doing? And then how do we make sure that we know what success and failure looks like so we know how far we are uh, from our goals? You know, it's the same reason why I probably didn't ever want to check my bank account when I was in college, <laughs> you know, right. but this is like a, a hugely important part of running campaigns and buying traffic. And if you are working for yourself or you're, you're kind of the DIY, like solopreneur, yeah. you know, it might seem like you have all you kind of understand all the numbers and you don't really need to dig this deep and you know when something's working because you have cash flow or something like that but i think this is a huge part of understanding where things break down and i love numbers but i hate numbers yeah so (laughs) as a marketer like my challenge to people who are listening is like do you stray towards or go towards the things that are sexy and like more clickbait on just like high level, just finding like the hack that works? Mm -hmm. Or do you go towards principles and the less sexy, more hard work of actually building a business and building a campaign? Because I'm on the extreme of like, do the hard work and figure out what actually is working and like dig deep instead of here's my one whiz bang thing that made a million dollars, you know, or whatever the case is. That's what sells. uh, And we have to do a little bit of that in our marketing and just to get people's attention. But the truth is, like, we do hard work through financial modeling and planning. That's not very sexy. We do KPI sheets and look at those numbers and track those numbers automatically and manually daily and look at those numbers. Then we have tough conversations about what's working and not working frequently. And so when that happens, it's like there are ways to do this superficially. And then there's ways to do it in a deep way and do it from a long-term sustainable business standpoint. And so if that's the direction you want to go, like there's a lot of like resources uh, out there. And I'm happy to share things like the ad scorecard and financial modeling and KPI sheets that make a big difference in like sustainability of a business and just figuring out the truth of where you are with your campaign and with your business. And I'll add from an, just an education standpoint coming from digital marketer. I mean, we do see that the sexier topics are the ones that people buy and people love, but I'll tell you the ones that are not, that do not sell as well. Um, the reason they don't sell well is because it's hard work. And mm-hmm. when people do use those and go through those certifications or workshops, they get so much out of it that, you know, you're like, well, we can't stop producing these because they're so important to being a marketer and being a successful business person in general. And if you look at just from the people who are listening to this as a marketer, like how much of your time is on traffic versus how much of your time is on conversion? Like everyone wants to learn mm. the next latest like thing uh, that no one else is talking about or no one else is testing on a traffic standpoint. But there, the amount of effort that is invested in conversion rate optimization or email marketing or training your salespeople or nuances of like offer development or avatar development, doing surveys, figuring out how to test small nuances that actually 
have a big impact on your business, like referral programs, like all those things aren't as sexy as like, cool, let me change like the bids and change the ad objective and figure out how to spend a thousand dollars more per day. Like it sounds fun. It's so exciting when that works. And then when it doesn't work, it's exciting because you're like, okay, let me try to fix it, like fix it. But the other stuff is actually the thing, the, the things that actually make you money. That's where it all comes from. <laughs> you have to know that uh, stuff. So I want to, I want to get to the, this last part. There's just too much good stuff. I feel like I could pick your brain forever. So let's assume our dear listener has worked on their ad. They've mm -hmm. launched it. Uh, mm -hmm. They tested a few different things. They have the perfect offer. It's working. Whatever's going on, it's working. Alert the press. This is an amazing ad. How <laughs> yeah. do you scale it? This is a really good question because sometimes the answer is not to. And I think it's like a really I knew weird you were going to say that. <laughs> I, I, it's like such a weird situation. It's like, oh my God, it worked. Okay, now I get to work on other parts of my business so I can make this actually even more profitable, right? That's sometimes the answer. But in specific businesses, like when things are working, that is the time to be super aggressive. And I think there's a lot of money left on the table when people aren't aggressive or whatever their definition of aggressive is, isn't what the business needs. So what I mean by that is everyone has like limits of like what is a lot of money. And so if you think $100 a day is a lot of money to spend on Facebook ads, the difference between that person and the person who's spending 1000 a day and wants to get to 10000 a day, it's a different mindset, right? Mm. And so if, for example, in, in your case, something starts working at 50 to $100 a day, depending on your business, you might be able to go to 200 or $300 if that is the case, the focus should be what are the elements of the ad scorecard that will allow me to do that? Because if a campaign is successful, it's very important to understand this because it's so easy to do busy work, right? And I think everyone struggles with this. But if a campaign is working, you do not have an offer problem. You do not have an avatar problem. You do not have a funnel problem. You don't have a nurturing problem. You might not have an ad problem or an ad optimization problem or tracking decision making. It's just like you don't have many problems. And so now what is that you focus on? Mm -hmm. And at this point, the only thing you should be focusing on if you if everything is working to the best of your ability is just ad optimization. Hmm. That's it. Because all of those things are lined up. There is a Facebook God and everything is working and all the dots <laughs> are connected. And it, this is the moment you've been waiting for. And it's like, okay, beautiful. It's working. Now, how do I spend more money? Hmm. And then you get to the next level of challenges. Because when one part is of your business is working at one level, as soon as you double ad spend or you 10x ad spend or whatever the case is, you're going to have your next level of challenges. And that's normal. But uh, you have to be ready for those, whatever they happen to be. But the, the mindset should be, how do I get to the next level? And what does the next level like look like? And so I think most people don't set goals at that point. So if you ha are spending $100, wouldn't it be cool if you can spend $200 a day with the same ROAS? That would be a good goal. Or it's like if you're at $100 a day and your business can scale, my goal by in 30 days or 90 days by the by next quarter, whatever the case is, I want to be at $500 a day with the same ROAS. And that would do my change my business and having more margin, um, being able to hire an employee or save for additional month in savings or whatever the goal is. But when it's that specific, 
it just helps be that much more clear and making it a game of like, am I actually winning this game or am I losing this game or where am I in this game? I was at $100 a day. Now I'm at 250. It's been 30 days in. I'm making progress. Okay, what else do I need to do in order to spend more and get to that goal? Yeah, I love it. Makes sense. Well, Neha, this was super illuminating for me. I mean, I don't run ads, but I hear a lot about it. (laughs) (laughs) So I know you're still pretty young, but if you could go back, tell your 25-year-old self anything at all, what would you say? Specifically when it comes to advertising and just personal growth, um, it's just like seek the truth. Um, It's one of the hardest things that I've had to get accustomed to um, because it's very easy to BS other people. Um, It's even easier to BS yourself. And um, if you look at how all these people who have crazy successful Facebook campaigns and um, look at how everything is perfect, I know a lot of the people who, you know, are gurus and I get a chance to see the good, bad and ugly of what's actually happening in their business. And, you know, it's the same thing for you. It's the same thing for me. Other people might think that everything is awesome because we're traveling and we're speaking or, you know, we have a big win at work or personal life, but they don't know what the actual truth is. And so it doesn't matter what other people think. It's like at the end of the day, are you BSing yourself and are you actually seeking the truth in your campaigns and in your business? And the more painful and the Uh, most important things to do is like figuring out what is the truth in my campaign in this case Mm -hmm. from a professional standpoint like how good is my campaign actually did I count sales from like from an affiliate campaign that came in or like did I count like random like referrals that came in like how much of these sales were actually from Facebook just so I know you know or like Facebook says I got 50 leads today but I checked my CRM or I didn't even check my CRM. So I don't actually know how many real leads I got today. Little things like that where it compounds because every day the difference might be, it might be double firing. The pixel might be double firing. So you're get your Facebook says you're getting $50 per lead, but in reality you're getting 25. Hmm. That's important. And so we do our best not to BS ourselves and it takes a lot of effort and there's nothing sexy about it. But uh, it's very important fundamentally to, you know, work and life. And so can I just figure out the truth? Can I seek the truth constantly of like how good am I actually doing from a campaign and, and marketing standpoint? And it just starts with tracking. That's like a really easy place for it to start. And, and there is a certain point, you know, fake it till you make it works. But there is a certain point where it's like you're faking it until you're faking making it. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. And that's the whole Instagram like generation in the sense of like, you know, what people post online versus reality. And the more you just experience life, the more you can see BS Mm -hmm. and uh, you just figure out what you don't want to become. And so, you know, when you're going through and looking at campaigns, look, when you look at case studies, look at what they don't talk about. I think that's a really good thing that like we go through, which is like, what was the time frame that they actually showed the campaign? Or like, did they actually show, can you right now, based off of what they shared, can you actually calculate their cost per acquisition or cost per lead or return on ad spend? Like, did they even do that math right? Some people just don't. And they just read the headline and then they share it and like hire companies or buy courses or whatever the case is. Yeah. Just be more critical, you know? Um, 
And uh, just being an independent thinker makes a big difference. From our standpoint, it's, it's very difficult to, under, to know who's legit and who knows their stuff versus people who don't. And so we're constantly looking and testing and implementing, and we do our best to have a pulse of what's going on just so we can understand what's working. And then we can compare our notes and figure out what's working for other people and use that, you know, and as a marketer, I think everyone should be doing that because no one knows all the answers. Nehal, where can people find out more about you and what you got going on? Yeah, so I'm super easy to creep. I think there's only one Nehal Kazim. <laughs> So uh, if you go on Facebook, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, if you want to go and get access to resources, I'm sure we'll post stuff in the notes. Um, but uh, adpros.com is a great place to get a hold of me if, if you like. And um, we'll make sure to put a bunch of resources. You know, we want to give uh, as much as we can uh, in terms of education and support in this process because there's levels of complexity and there's levels of success. And in the initial stages, if you're just getting started or you're just creating momentum, there's small adjustments that make such a big difference. And so if I can help with that, whether it's you know listening to this podcast or any of the free resources that like we linked to, uh, amazing. So I'd love to be a uh, part of that journey. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's so generous. And I just really appreciate, you know, how genuine you are in this conversation. So um, also your your name is a really good backwards name. You know, when you you say a word backwards and it's like, oh, that actually like makes sense. Um, I've never thought about that. <laughs> it'd be Mizak Lahin. So that's a really good. It's got those consonants on on every side. <laughs> That's so funny. This is how my brain works. <laughs> yeah. Nehal, thank you so much uh, for being on the Digital Marketer Podcast. And we'll see y'all next week. Same time, same place. Bye. You've been listening to the Digital Marketer Podcast. For more information, go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for listening. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up. Because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.